This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning, the weekly Media Week podcast where we talk about television. Andrew, we've got a special guest today. Um, why is Reese Nicholson joining us? Well, <laughs> it's an exciting day because today they announced the cast for the second season of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. So that's why we've got our very famous Australian judge here now, Newcastle comedian, gone international, Reese Nicholson. Yeah, I yeah, I got Newcastle comedian on the run, yeah. I think. Um, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. It is like it is a big day. I think it's I always think it must be a big day for the girls, for the queens, because they've had to keep this secret for like yeah. Months and months and months now. And it's a hard secret to keep. <laughs> like any secret is hard to keep for this industry. But like to know that you, you know, some of them are potentially like, you know, not always, but like they might have still have day jobs and that kind of stuff and have to keep this, to know that your life is about to change, it would be wild. As always, there's a mix of names in there. Uh, some of the well-known drag queens around Sydney that I've known for years and years, like many. Yeah. But very exciting for me now living in Newcastle and particularly for you to see a Newcastle yeah. Poppins in there. Molly Poppins. It's the second year in a row that we've had a Newcastle queen in there. And I must say, for a city that does not have a gay bar, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing pretty well. <laughs> We used to we used to have a gay bar um, called the Gateway, uh, which I've always thought was a very ominous name. Um, it was like to, Gateway to what? But it was only a gay bar on a Friday and Saturday from memory. So I used to go there with my fake ID when I was seventeen, Scott Philippuzzi. Um, I had it taken off me when a when a bouncer asked me to spell Philippuzzi, and I couldn't. <laughs> um, but it, but it meant that like it was it was a like many kind of gay spaces, queer spaces, I guess. It was just a regular bar, and then on a suddenly on a Friday they put up some tinsel and lights, and it's like it's gay now. <laughs> uh, look, one thing that I'd love to ask you because you know I saw you at the Logies, and I mm-hmm. saw people coming up and chatting to you, and it's sort of always expected that you know I expect that every gay person I know is watching RuPaul's Drag Race, every format from around the world. But the truth is that when I actually go to one of the live shows when they come out here to perform, the audience seems predominantly to me to be straight young women. Is that who comes up to you and talks to you the most about the show when you're out and about? I either get that or um, often men in, like, work clothes saying, my girlfriend loves you. Um, (laughs) That seems to be a predominant demographic for me. Um, Or mothers. I get a lot of mothers. Um, Yeah, but I think think that's the the same with every kind of... um, kind of minority culture, isn't it? Like there's always a moment where at a certain point we become the coolest thing in the world and then there's weirdly some sort of, and I feel like Drag Race is that at the moment and has been for kind of a decade now. Like I think we're at a weird point, a phrase that I often use is like, Rue is at such a point where we're, we're all just specks of dust floating around RuPaul, like it's such as the franchise and every, you know, the way that he has these fingers in so many pies now. Um, yeah, it is, it is like that strange kind of thing. And I, I, I don't know, I'm of that kind of weird middle generation of like, uh, you know, I, I still, as, as a queer person, I still had to deal with kind of anger <laughs> from people, but I did not go through the AIDS crisis. So I have this kind of, and look, I'm getting heavy and early guys, but, but it's a, it's an interesting demographic to be in because I kind of, I see the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the kind of, it's not homogenizing, but a kind of, 
um, heterosexual people getting on board with the culture, I kind of see it as a great thing. Like as, as a comedian coming up, I, I still had to kind of make jokes. I still had, I was still at a point where when I started like about 15 years ago, I'd still have to walk on stage and make a little joke from the get go of like, uh, just so you know, I know essentially being like, and then the audience would be comfortable. Whereas I own a comedy club and the, all the little baby queers coming up through the ranks now, through both comedy and drag don't have to make a joke about it. They just kind of walk out and they start. And I think that comes from things like drag race. How much more confident were you going into the second season, the making of it? Obviously you would have felt, you know, a lot more, you know, relaxed around Michelle Visage and Rupert. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Like, I think I'm never not going to be a little bit like, Oh my God, that is RuPaul. Um, because, she is at that kind of, and, and often because most of the time that we're interacting, she's in a wild gown. Like, you know, like the first time that I see her at work every day, the first time that we see everyone at work is when she walks down the runway. And um, that's a, even Michelle says after 15 years of doing that show, it is never not like, whoa, like the, the, the reactions are, are genuine. Um, the I, I think I just kind of knew like everyone, and I think the Queens have a little bit more as well, uh, not having the kind of sword dangling over them of this is the first season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there was a little bit of a relaxation. I think, I think the Queens of last year, they smashed it and they were incredible, but they still had the kind of, this is the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race. So this is like, you know, there's a lot of pressure. There's still a lot of pressure on these group of girls, but there's a bit of freedom to it, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to speak for them either. Cause you know, it's a hard thing to be on the show. Um, but it is like a kind of, I think they, they, we're all just a little bit more relaxed maybe. Uh, I mean, James, you would know that I always try and point out, you know, all the RuPaul spinoffs, but I mean, we've had so many shows about drag queens and, you know, Courtney Axe over in the UK right now, getting ready to do a new one over there. I mean, James, yeah. there, are, there are drag shows on TV just all over the world now. Yeah. Well, Bloody I'm taking it over. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, Reese. Um, I mean, Media Week's sort of a business, a business trade magazine. So I sort of come yeah, in yeah. As, well, not, and I ask some sort of business questions. And yeah, and please. I, I don't need to know exact do, exact dollar amounts, but but in terms of building um, the Reese Nicholson career, how important mm. is is getting TV work? And you, you do you do lots of appearances on free to air TV. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under is on Stan, so that's mm-hmm. a very that's a very cool place to be now. So mm-hmm. it's sort of two questions: how important is it financially, and how important is it in sort of helping keep you out in front of a public? I think it is. You know, it's a it's a necessary part of the industry. I think, like, and I, I, I as someone who was raised by TV, <laughs> like in a in a way, I'm I'm of that generation as well. That you know, I, I'm never not, and I hope I never lose it. I'm never not on TV going, Oh my God, I'm on TV. (laughs) Like it's still wild to me. Um, it it is important. Like, you know, I, I was very happily chugging along, um, doing pretty well stand up wise, like making a comfortable enough living. Like, um, and then I think drag race did, it's been interesting though, because I got drag race during the pandemic. So I have gotten undeniably, for lack of a better, a little bit more famous, yeah. um, but I've not seen the results of that. <laughs> like, is it because it's like I, we've been in lockdown the whole time? But definitely, like, I just finished a tour, and yeah, the the 
being able to do bigger rooms. Like it is to me, uh, certain shows, are, um, certain TV shows are, are like being on an ad almost like, you know, if I got a panel show or something, I'm not like super psyched to be like, yeah, when we're doing God's work with this panel show. But I think a show like drag race, there is kind of satisfaction to doing it. Like, and you know, it, it doesn't necessarily translate. I, I think there'd be plenty of people that watch drag race from around the world that have no idea. I am a, a stand up comedian and there'd be certain people that watch my stand up that have no idea I'm on drag race. It's like, this strange, as is the fan base of that television program, they really, many of them stick to their lanes, <laughs> uh, entertainment-wise. Um, but it, it, it has helped. Like, it, yeah, undeniably it's made me a little bit, just giving me more, um, I don't know, I guess currency, like not physical money currency, but kind of I, I can definitely get into rooms that I may be, you know, I was at the Lokis mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, who, who I'm not going to the Lokis. Like <laughs> I'm definitely not like, you know, in like at industry events and like meeting, like we saw each other at an industry event the other night and I was like bloody talking to Anastasia Palaszczuk and like telling her what drag race is and what's that, what's happening there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it is, it's a, it's a currency thing, but it's definitely not the aim. Like I'm, I, I, I definitely am not, you know, I'd be an idiot not to say, I love money. Like, but like it, it, I love it. Like it, it, I come from not much money as a, as a family background and boy, howdy, do I love spending money? Um, makes me feel better. Makes my heart feel better. Um, but so, you, but it's not the reason I'm doing it, but I think also I, I never want to get locked in that kind of, uh, you know, there's, a, I think sometimes like there's a very faux point of view in the arts of people going like, well, I just do it for the love of the arts. Like, well, make a mosaic. I don't know. Like, but I, I work, I work in an industry and I want to make some money, but I also work really hard on what I'm making and want it to be good. And I think sometimes Australians have problems with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think we, yeah. Yeah. The, I notice you're you're probably pretty close to packing your bags for some shows coming up in the U S and Canada. Um, having a, a, a franchise like, um, drag race on your CV must help with sort of, getting booked for, for internationally? Yeah, I think so. Like it, it just opens me up to there, there is, it, it might be a small audience, but there is an audience in like, I'm really, I'm going to be doing Montreal comedy festival. And there's also like, uh, there's a feeling if, if you're part of the franchise, it kind of gives you again, currency to walk up and speak to somebody else that is on the franchise. Like, you know, say if I'm Montreal comedy festival, it's a big old industry festival. It's like, it's like South by Southwest for comedy, really. Like it's just people kind of hanging out in bars, talking to each other and and doing shows. And, you know, say I see Alan Carr, who's kind of my equivalent in in the U S I feel like I can walk over to him and have a reason to talk to him. (laughs) I don't know. Like I'm, I'm kind of getting down in the weeds of it, but like, it, it helps in that kind of way. And yeah, like I'll be in, they'll show the show overseas and I realized I'm in Montreal when the show comes out. So maybe I'll go to a gay bar and where I'll see that there's a viewing party on and like get to watch it with an audience and stuff. Like it just, it is strange to be on something that is seen by lots of people. I mean, of course that does open you up to, um, lots of people see it and do not like it. And there's a, like getting, getting an angry tweet from someone from Tennessee is a real thrill and a dream come true to be hated by people around the world. Finally. If somebody asks you, what's the difference 
uh, between Australian drag and, say, American drag or English drag. Yeah. Um, can you answer that question for them or do you try not to play favourites in terms of which world has the best drag? I mean, no, I think we have the best drag. Um, the, <laughs> of course we do. Um, the, I think we, and I've been saying this a little bit today, and I, but, and I, and I genuinely mean it, and I mean it, mean it with love, we're a little bit rough here. Like our drag is a little bit rough and ready. We're not about like, you know, looking perfect and, and, and like getting the words exactly right, but we are very genuine here. I feel like the drag that we do is really like, and there's a bit of, um, there's a bit of like biff to it. Like, and I'm speaking broadly, but like the types of gays and queer spaces that we have, there is something so powerful about a, a queen, especially like a, a pretty bogan Aussie queen demanding, um, you know, attention at two o'clock in the morning as everyone's ketamine is hitting. Um, that's, that's a pretty incredible thing to see and to be able to translate to the, that to the screen is pretty fun. I think we just, um, and there's a few queens in this season that are that, like, there's, I won't name any names, but there are some, because Rue is kind of obsessed with that. Like he was even on um, Graham Norton recently and said that um, our drag is ratchet. <laughs> but, I th- <laughs> but I think he meant it with like, because if you look at, Rue hasn't always been a glamazon. Rue, like early kind of late 70s, early 80s of Rue, um, and this is the reason that I, I realise we'll never be best friends is because I know everything about her and I don't know if that's the, <laughs> to, to like be a, to be a fan of your boss. Um, but, uh, you know, she comes from punk and drag at its core is punk. And I think we do some of the punkiest drag. And also I think maybe it's a little bit like uh, TV, Australian TV, I've always thought, because we're so influenced by the Americans and the Brits, we tend to take the best bits of each and yeah, kind yeah. Of Aussie them up. And, and maybe that applies a little bit to our drag. But I, I agree with you. I think if you look back at Carlotta being on TV here in Australia in the 60s, Carlotta being the first trans actor to play a trans role on TV, Australian TV in the 70s, and then yeah. just... We've been way ahead of the curve in terms of putting drag onto TV than the UK or the US ever were. Oh, I remember even knowing as a kid, I was like pretty young when like, um, when Beauties and the Beast was on TV and when I used to, I used to hate school. So I'd fake sick and stay home all the time as much as possible. (laughs) And me and my grandmother would watch Beauties and the Beast and, um, Carlotta would be like on there and like the, you know, the light and you know, that was an incredible thing to see even in the nineties. It really was. Yeah, look, uh, we've got to talk about some um, other TV this week, but before we do that, quickly, Reese, I want to ask you about your relationship with Netflix. Um, oh, yeah. You've got a Netflix special and you've you're being cast. Is it The Imperfects? It's called The Imperfects. It's a it's a fun. Um, it has, it's, I think it's coming out. Oh, we don't have an air date for it yet. I mean, it's that stressful thing. I know what the air date is, but I'm not allowed <laughs> to say it out loud. Um, very stressful. I was. I've had half a wine, and I almost said it. Um, so wait around for the second half. Um, <laughs> the it, yeah, it's like a, I I I had this wild year last year where amongst the lockdowns I did Drag Race with one bit of my brain, and then went straight from New Zealand to Canada to film this like kind of wild sci-fi comedy drama where I get to run away from explosions and shoot monsters and I'm the villain and I do experiments on children. And then I came back and did stand up. you know, it's been a wild year. Um, and it's, it's an interesting relationship to have with Netflix. I think like 
my special is, and if we're talking about kind of businessy industry kind of things, like my special, we, we filmed it off our own back and sold it to Netflix. Okay. And so I'm always, no, I, I never say it's a Netflix special. It's just a special on Netflix, <laughs> um, which kind of means I get to like, we own it. Like eventually, like it's, I think it's maybe a three year deal or something. Um, and then hopefully they will want to buy it again. But I, you know, I'm someone, and I think this is often rare in Australia. I kind of like to own things like, you know, I don't, not necessarily me, but like my producers and my, um, uh, agents kind of like to own things. Cause it means, you know, we can kind of on sell things and, and to be honest in, the world that we live in, sometimes it's good to own something. So if something that you said a long time ago doesn't date too well, you can just quietly put that down in the basket and no one ever sees it ever again. Very clever. <laughs> well, I think because we're at a point where we have to be aware of those types of things. Like something that feels good now that might not feel good in 10 years and I, I want to be able to have the power to, not remove that in a censorship kind of way, but in a like, yeah, I said a really dumb thing a while ago and uh, I wish I hadn't have said that. And um, now here it's not available to anyone anymore, so I've taken it out of circulation. Yeah, yeah, no, good good, good thought, good thought. Okay, so look, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, Season 2, July 30 premiere. That's going to be on stand. The um, episode today is pretty much stand too. We've got um, mm-hmm. some, some other stand programs to talk about too. We're going to chat about New Tuesday, which we um, mm-hmm. talked a little bit about last week. Look, I was ready not to like this. I've got to be honest. I thought, <laughs> look, it's, it's just... It's just too much out there for me. I don't know. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm a pretty simple guy. I, I like my period dramas, you know. I'm, I'm yeah, a, yeah. I'm a man of simple taste when it comes to TV. But I was quite attracted to this. It was um it was, was really it all the nudity? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, well well no, actually if you want the detail, look, it's a great name, but if you're watching for nudity, don't waste your time, right? It's um no. this only goes for one hour forty. There's no nude scenes until you're into it. One hour twenty. So, um, so for for purpose, you were timing it. Yeah. So stay. So what you're saying is stay buckled up for an hour and, and twenty minutes, and then fast forward to. Well, not to not to talk, but like I have a weird. I haven't watched it yet, but I have a friend. I have like two friends in the movie, um, and that's a stressful thing to know. I just saw today. It's like it's out on stand, and it's like I don't want to see my friend Chris Parker's penis. Like that's a that's gonna that's going to change our relationship or maybe it won't. Um, I don't know. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, to ruin your flow or anything, but I, I do find that someone explained the, the concept of it to me not long ago. And it is fascinating. And I also think it's a really incredible um, new kind of way to consume and to produce content in the way that, you know, remember when, um, what was the Netflix show, uh, well, um, uh, Black Mirror, and they did the kind of choose your own adventure thing. Yeah, the alternate endings. Yeah, there's a kind of feeling of that with this where they had a series of writers write the dialogue and, you know, Ronnie Chang did it. They picked Julia, um, Julia, oh, Davis. Julia Davis from Nighty Night and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but it means, you know, this movie can live on forever with just new dialogue put on it forever <laughs> and ever and ever and ever and ever. Like there could be the kind of you know, anyone can write it and then that, and you could pick it like subtitles. Anyway, sorry, I keep talking on you. I think it's fascinating that Stan have released three versions of it. You can watch it with no subtitles and imagine what's going on. <laughs> they speak gibberish all the way through it. 
Or you can look at the subtitles as written by Celia Popola and Ronnie Cheng, or the subtitles as written by Julia Davis. And I'm watching the Julia Davis version first because she's one of my comic goddesses. Yeah, me too. And Someone that's watched them both has said to me, hers is definitely ruder, and that would make sense. I'd imagine that Celia Picard yeah. would go more for the sweetness. But what a fascinating thing for Stan to do to release a movie and give their audience three choices of how to watch it. I agree with you. I think it's a really fascinating original thing to do. Which version did you watch, uh, James? I watched the, um, which is like the original with um, Celia and... Um, Ronnie, Ronnie, their, their version, um, and it's pretty good. It's they're quite subtle. It's not. I thought the thing that I thought might turn me off is if the subtitles just sort of take over the images, but they don't. They they sort of um, they're a nice accompaniment to what you see visually, and there's plenty of visual gags to laugh at as well. It's um, you know yeah. whether it's Damon Herriman whacking off in bed bes- beside his wife who's refused his physical advances, um, <laughs> through to him sort of just falling down a, a disused mine shaft when he's trying to rescue what turns out to be imaginary child that's actually down there there's just lots of <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of crazy stuff um which which sort of works the, the julia davis stuff again that's not really over the top again it's quite um she's quite restrained i thought it might be really i've watched a, a bit of hers and all of the other yeah. one um again it, she's quite restrained and it's just really nice the way she sort of dips in and out of of what's happening and what a fun project. Like yeah. it's a dream of, of someone who maybe is terrified to write an entire film <laughs> or like <laughs> to have a kind of film presented to you that you can, uh, like it, it just uses a different part of your brain that I think, and, you know, I'm just, it's very, t- to me it's so Kiwi. Like yeah, I spend I, quite a bit of time in New Zealand doing work and 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 there is such a, um it's almost like a petri dish of talent. Like they kind of, the likes of Rose Matafeo and and um, Alice Stedden who made, um, oh, what's Rose's show called? Oh, Starstruck for yeah, um, yeah. BBC. Like they just, they come out fully formed yeah. in New Zealand, kind of ready to take on like, you know, international media. Yeah, look, the, the cast is brilliant too. I mean, you, you get the feeling they blew all the talent budget with all due respect to the others on, <laughs> on Damon Harriman. I mean, <laughs> look look at some of the stuff he's been in recently, you know, The Tourist, yeah. Mr. In Between, uh, The Serpent, um, Lambs of God. You know, he's just been doing some great work here and internationally. But there's nothing wrong with the performance of uh, Jackie Van Beck and um, Jermaine Clement as some weird mm. sort of sex guru, you know. It's... um. <laughs> Is um it's amazing. So yeah, look, it's well worth a visit. And again, I was really pleasantly surprised. I just think it's great that you know Stan have made another original film, and it just sits so well with all of their other Australian and New Zealand content. You know, they're by far Stan is by far making the most and the best local content uh, for the streaming service. So yeah, well done to them. Yeah, look, thank you, Stan. I would also like to thank Stan. <laughs> I'd like to be on the record thanking my boss's Stan. Now, Reese, I'll give you some warning. In a minute, we're going to ask you about your your sort of viewing habits and what you've been watching lately and what you're into. But before we do that, the other show we want to mention um, quickly this week is also on Stan, the Undeclared. <laughs> 
the <laughs> the undeclared war, which um, features Simon Pegg in a in a really serious role, you know, which is um is better known for his sort of weird, quirky, comedic sort of um. He, he crops up in lots of movies, but this one he he plays a um, head of a code breaking team for the um, the U, sort of the UK's code breakers. It's sort of I don't know a government body like MI6, MI5, I guess, who are there to sort of monitor what's happening out in the um, the digital world. And they're sort of the Russians. Well, it's suspected the Russians attack the UK and try to shut down the the British internet and. Um, I didn't think I'd again. I, I'm really pleasantly surprised at this. I'm quietly addicted to it. I've I've got through, <laughs> I've got through three episodes now, and it's just this. There's what happens in episode one is they're trying to work out, oh, how can we stop this? Um, the Russians shutting down the UK, if you like. You know, there's no home shopping. Um, half of the country can't even log on to the internet, um, mobile phones affected, um, but there's a girl there. Oh, that's how we're going to go. <laughs> there's a girl there <laughs> in work experience, and guess what? She works out how to stop it. So it's um, – and that doesn't go down well with all the experienced sort of professional code breakers who work there. They've been shown up by this girl who's there on work experience. So it's um, it's quite a quirky story, and I don't know where it goes to after that, but it's um, it's got me wanting to go back on and see where the story ends up. So, James, is yeah. it there to watch all now? It is, yeah. All episodes yeah. are there. I think there's uh, six episodes um, and, yeah, I think it's uh, well worth getting into. There's a sort of a cast, Adrian Lester, who was um, in life in Riviera. Uh, Mark Rylance is probably the standout character. Oh, yeah, he, plays right. a, he plays an old-time code breaker. And, again, you've got to watch out for him. It's not He often uh, really takes on a role and it's hard to recognise him because he's so into his characters and it's, um, he's, he's really good in this. Yeah. So I'll recommend that. Now, listen, um, Reese. Do you have much time to watch TV and what sort of shows do you look out for? I am I am one of those people that like uh, my partner always teases me that I always have something on. Like I, I I've got a I've got a bit of a noisy brain, I think. It doesn't mean I'm smart, it just means I'm anxious. <laughs> um so I've always got something. And so I often kind of have two shows going on at one time where usually it's well, you know, and more than that, but like my there are shows that, you know, I think everyone kind of, if you're in a relationship, there are shows that you watch with your partner and then there are shows that you watch without them. Um, I, you know, we try and watch all the premium things, like, you know, Hacks, I'm a massive fan of Hacks, and I think Hacks is, like, one of the smartest shows. I've got to catch up on the new season, but as a stand-up, that is, that is what it feels like to be a stand-up, and it's really smart and really, like, synced and incredible. But at the same time, I also, I always try to have a premium thing going on, and at the same time, a bit of a shit thing going on. Um, and so at the moment, I'm uh, just in the background at all times watching Vera. Uh, Vera is a, uh, <laughs> it's a cop drama uh, starring Brenda Bresnan. Yeah, in that sort of <laughs> funny hat and on, yep. and all the time. It's on BritBox. Now, look, there are, mon- there are lots of amazing things on Stan, um, but BritBox also has some fun things, and I just, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, I grew up watching things like Jonathan Creek and like these kind of British, um, kind of quirky, you know, quirky, I guess is kind of the word, tacky but silly BBC and Channel 4 dramas. And I don't know, 
I'm not. I'm watching good stuff as well, but I need you to know at all times I'm watching Vera, and it's oh. there's like eleven seasons. We're not alone in being a fan of Vera because I'll have you know that on the night Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, died, and they broke into an episode of Vera on the ABC for breaking news and never went back to Vera. They were besieged with phone calls. He said, "You know, the royal died. What happened in that episode of Vera?" There's something so lovely about it. Just, uh, I, I know we got to go, but there's something so lovely about, um, I know exactly the rhythm of it. Like it's, it's law and order SVU. Like it's law and it's like, but, but she calls everyone pet and, and, and she calls babies bands and it's just so she's, she, I also just love her as an actress and it's just comfort watching, but you know, also small, stra- also stranger things. <laughs> yeah. Which is just, I think this week become the most watched Netflix show ever. I think. Yeah. Well, well, they haven't watched my special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully they're running a promo for it at the, <laughs> at the end of uh, Stranger Things. Uh, look, Reese. Look, it's been great having you there uh, with us this week. Thank you for uh, coming on. Good luck with season two of um, Drag Race Thank Down you. Under. Good luck with your overseas gigs in the uh, next you. couple of weeks, Andrew. Next week we'll probably talk a little bit about uh, Tan's Pilot Showcase, which we didn't get to this week. Um, yeah. Is there any sort of, Reese? have you got any shows you've sort of been pitched for that you're waiting to find out about? Do you, any- oh, at all time. Look, you know, I think I was, I was almost going to host, uh, no, I got nothing. I got nothing. This is the thing about I was trying to make up something fun that I was really like, do not burn any bridges with any networks. <laughs> well, I, I would say to you that I'm going to write about Ten's Pilot Showcase in Media Week uh, on Friday, James, but I would say to you, Reese, that the best pilot I saw there was Courtney's Closet where Courtney Act uh, turns uh, yeah. drag on a person while doing an interview, and, and that looks like to me like uh, if you ever want to do drag, I'd be wanted you to see it would do it by Courtney act on Courtney's closet. Oh look, she, but she did do, she put drag on another comedian redhead and I'm threatened yeah, as always true. by Luke McGregor. True. Very true. Fantastic. All right. Look, this has been what I believe is Reese Nicholson's favorite media trade publication. This has been, <laughs> our, this has been our weekly uh, media week TV podcast. Um, we'll be back again next week. See you soon. Thanks, James. Bye.